The Intermediate Line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by nervouswater.com.au, Thomas and Thomas Rods, Shilton Reels and Cortland Lines. Ketterfly, Australian made apparel, made by flight shows for flight shows. Powerpole, total boat control. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience so we can improve your experience. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Intermediate Line, folks. I'm here with my co-host, Jeff Volta, and we are joined again for the third time by Scott Mitchell. How are you, Scott? Yeah, good, thanks, guys. How you doing? Very well, very well. I can speak on behalf of Volta. He's doing very well, too. I asked him earlier. <laughs> yeah, super uh, good, mate. <laughs> hey, yeah. Scott, last time we had you on, mate, we, uh, we spoke in regards to the... Um, uh, the zoning proposals potentially in the area, uh, but now we've got John. It's the real deal. It's it's actually happening now. We are now at the very pointy end of a sixteen year campaign. The um, the new draft rezoning plan was released last Friday, and our minister uh, Megan Scanlon actually did make the effort to uh, fly to Harvey Bay and um, had a press conference here at the pier where she uh, made that announcement with our local uh, Labor uh, member, which is Adrian Tantari. Is it true that she, her main reason for flying to Harvey Bay is to ask you to stop tagging her in posts? <laughs> there, 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 there may have been some truth in that. <laughs> there may have been. And, and yes, I was invited to that conference. <laughs> <laughs> I may have suggested in one of those tagged posts that there would be anarchy if I hadn't been. Uh, <laughs> oh. God, I, can I ask, mate, have, uh, has this whole, uh, this whole process... Um, uh, enlightened you a lot to the uh, the political um, backwards and forwards, or what? A hundred percent. Yeah. Look, that is not my strong point. Politics. Uh, whilst I have learned much about politics over the last seventeen odd years, um, <laughs> I will be resigning from my position at the end of this campaign, and I've made that clear to everyone who knows me. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's looking good, mate. So it must be it must be pretty satisfying at this point. That's for sure. Um, I'm feeling I, confident. Well, I, in addition to your uh, you know, involvement in this process leading up to now, you're also a local to Harvey Bay. Um, oh, I can't call it a local. Okay, years, you're living. Years. You're, yeah, I'm not the blow-in that they initially said from New South Wales. I have been in now 17 years. Yep. Um, but I'm told locally uh, 30 years is the benchmark. Oh, no. fair enough. Well, let, let, There are rules everywhere, dude. Well, let's, uh, do, you, do you go for New South Wales or or Queensland state origin? Neither of those um, teams or sports, I believe, include any fishing. So I've found, ah. <laughs> found it very difficult to become interested in them. I yeah, understand. Very great that. answer. You are really getting good at politics, mate. That's that's a fantastic answer. I, I have learned something, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as the man on the street, though, what's the feeling like in town? The, um, I've actually just come just now from uh, addressing the Harvey Bay Amateur Fishing Club, which is probably one of the biggest clubs in the Bay. And oh, yeah, interesting. I've addressed them probably more than a dozen times in the last few years. Tonight, you couldn't have got another standing person in that room and they were queued up outside. And I believe 
It was probably one of the most well-briefed and well-supported uh, meetings I've done in relation to this campaign locally to date. So, yeah, I'd suggest that the local people are really um, thankful of the decision so far, whilst it is a fabulous decision and a huge win for recreational fishing as it stands today. There is room for some tweaking, and that's what we need um, some more engagement on from now on in for the next three weeks because uh, consultation will end on Sunday, midnight, the 23rd of October. So we need everyone to become enthusiastic and engaged in this process and, more importantly, complete that online survey. Hey, Scott. We, we'll get to that for sure. Sorry, guys. Sure. You go, mate. Scott, just, just before we jump forward here, this is, you know, it, it sounds we don't want to sound like this is a done deal, right? There's still opportunity for it to get, you know, if they got enough negative comment, would there be some changes to the proposal? It would have to be um, significant negative engagement at this point in time. My experience, and this is just me speaking personally on my own personal behalf, um, once a draft rezoning plan in a marine park has been released, significant change is um, rarely achieved, but there's definitely room for tweaking around the edges. Mm, okay. Sound like, uh, like I said earlier, we'll get to that soon. Sounds like Volti was ready to get to that sooner rather than later. But I just want to pull you back because you did. I want to. I'm really interested in community attitude towards this, particularly and just out even even outside of the fishing community. You know, like I mean, you know, have you spoken to your neighbour about this or um, or anyone that's you know not actively engaged in fishing? I'm sure not everyone in Harvey Bay fishes. You know, yeah, no, hundred percent. Look, and I, 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 it won't be a secret to most listeners, I guess, is that um, since I arrived in Harvey Bay, I became involved in the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. So um, I've worked as a real estate salesperson now for sixteen years across Harvey Bay. Um, I get to engage, obviously, in that industry with many people across all sectors of our community. And it's interesting the um, because we've had some television coverage and radio coverage and paper coverage that um, I can walk into most houses now for an appraisal and they know me from the fishing uh, campaign and, and I am thanked daily for the work that I have put into this campaign for the last 16 years. And there's no question this this draft and this review, review is probably the right word, so this review has got broad community support unquestionably now. Mm. Right, okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's interesting. I guess, you know, like you're answering that question, you know, correctly because I'm asking about Joe Bloggs in the street, um, you know, who you see, you'd see a lot of people every day with your job for sure. What about, uh, what about businesses? And I'm not talking about tackle shops and, and boating warehouses and stuff like that, but, you know, you know, bakers and you know service station attendants or whatever you know like what about these sort of people so, that we're expecting so, yeah it's an interesting comment so, so throughout this campaign uh early on in the early days um we we started a petition oh i think it was 2015 maybe mm -hmm. um locally it started off locally um where we went around all the businesses we actually gave the um the the questionnaires and our you could sign a petition to some key local businesses and restaurants cafes caravan parks and you know what within two weeks most of them had been bullied bullied and intimidated into submission um, because they were supporting unfortunately um people who didn't agree with our position within the community so um so we, that's when we actually took that petition to an online platform. So I will say that 
most people in the community still today are a little bit apprehensive about putting their heads up to support this publicly. So I've, I've just resigned myself to the fact that that will not happen due to the repercussions of that that have happened in the past. Um, but they have these businesses and um, individual people um, have un unquestionably uh, been providing strong support in the background directly to the decision makers. And that is, at the end of the day, that is all we need. I don't need people at this point of the campaign sticking their heads up saying that they support this um, this position to uh, remove the red cross hatching which has has appeared in the latest draft um, we don't need them to do it publicly draw any attention upon themselves all we need them to do now is just complete the online survey reinforcing their support for the decisions that have already been made and if they want to see any changes to the proposed um, new zoning they make those suggestions in the comment area. That's all we need everyone to do now, and I believe we will get a very positive outcome. Well, so you got any question? Because I got a question, but unless you got one lined up. Well, the, my next question was, what is going on with the proposal, man? But you've nailed it in one, um, um, and what what to do there? Um, yeah. So, Chris. What do you want to roll with? Well, I just wanted to know, you talked about the, um, like we mentioned this on the show last last week as well in regards to the intimidation in the area, you know, like um, guides yeah. being run out of town, you know, like people people getting bullied at boat ramps and on the water, you know, like uh, to hear about it in town through this petition is quite interesting. Uh, have you experienced any of this stuff yourself personally? No, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. I, Anything I, you can I, talk about or not? Can't, I can't launch my boat in the marina and go fishing in this area um, within vision of um, one of our local commercial anglers without them commenting on my position today. Really? Right. So, right. You, you, is this, so you, what you're saying is that, you, you know, you'll get, a, you'll get abused in public. Often, and, and, I, and I have, and I can state this because I have, I've got an active police file on all of the incidents over the last 10 years, and, and the constables in town know this. Scott, yeah. can, can I ask, as a real estate agent, do you, um, uh, do you actually uh, have your photo on the for sale signs? I do. Do people draw dicks in them or colour in your teeth? I've been so lucky that that has never happened. <laughs> but it probably will now, Valsy. <laughs> the big questions. The big questions. That's right. Thanks, mate, for that. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you believe, Scott? We didn't even have that, have that question planned. That was um, that was all false. <laughs> yeah, I, I expect no less. But it's right. I, I'm. Um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> nah, look, mate. It's, uh, I'm. I'm really. I'm genuinely sorry to hear that. That's that's happened for you, mate. Because like, the the whole this whole campaign is 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 not is not about getting the nets out as such it's about the conservation of the area uh which consequently removes netting from conservation areas of course and bringing it in line with other conservation zones or yellow zones and marine parks around the world but the thing is i guess as as a consequence of of, of a better and improved habitat you know we are going to experience better fish stocks you know which is um it's a shame that someone could be championing 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 um, uh, such a strong environmental cause in such an environmentally significant area and then experience the bullying there. And, like, I guess from my point of view, I want to say thank you for persisting with that. Like, a lot, I've seen a lot of people in Harvey Bay uh, and the surrounding areas who have, who have, who have you know, sl even slightly stuck their head up in, your, in the position you're in get cut down and, and give up because it's too hard, you know. 
And, um, you know, you've really persisted through, and I guess um, thanks is in order, really. I, no, I appreciate that, and um, I am resilient, if nothing else. The uh, Unfortunately, that has been the case, and, and sometimes like, we live in a democracy, and, and we can't, any of us can't all be expected to agree on everything at any level. Mm. But if, if you're going to campaign against something that you strongly oppose, you should try to do it in a, um, a non-individual personal aspect, rather um, campaign against the issue, not the individual. Well, it would be hard to, to oppose you in this respect because, I mean, you've got, I was going to say you've got right on your side, but it'd be, it, I don't think that's fair, although that's what I believe. But it'd be very hard when, when you're championing an environmental, progressing and bettering an environmental cause, when the people who are um, opposing you have got no interest in that at all, really, at uh, all. I mean, well, you've got to acknowledge that we are um, making decisions that will impact um, some other businesses as an outcome sure. of that, but um, the flip side of that, we have also always uh, called for fair compensation for um, any commercial fisher that um, loses access to an area. They, they won't actually, in this case, the, the buyback which will be offered, um, it's voluntary anyway. They're, they're not going to lose their licences. They're losing access to an area they should never have been allowed to continue netting in 17 years ago. The, the red cross hatching was a poor political decision from the outstart that was driven with some political motivation at the time, maybe louder from the other sector. Um, and it's taken 17 years to get it on the table at a level that the rec sector have now, it appears, and the environmental sector, I should state also, because it's the first time, and this is an important note, probably. So this is um, the, the Fresco Fishing Alliance spent nearly three years developing a joint statement position with the leading environmental groups, WWF, Marine Conservation Society, and, and we've, we haven't, whilst we've had some common ground, we've never signed off on any statement on, on, a, on a common cause ever. And we did. It took three years to get to that state and there were some pretty robust conversations during that as to what both the environmental sectors and the recreational sectors wanted as an outcome from this review. Mm. And after three years of working together, and we did work together, um, every organised recreational fishing group, which I was involved in coordinating, signed on alongside all the major environmental groups in a, a landmark statement joint position. That paper has held a lot of weight since we um, submitted it. And, uh, and, and even till today, and I've been communicating with both of those groups again today about some of these tweaks we would like to see. And, and that, that communication has been open um, and transparent is probably the best way to state that, because we have now built a relationship that if it falls over this point, it'll be probably unlikely that you'll see this type of um, alliance work as well together again. So we have unquestionably we've got broad community support, we've got broad uh, industry support, and, and as I said, this is a democracy. So it'll come down to, at the end of the day, which which groups have got the most support in order to campaign for what they believe is the right decision? And that is what I feel we've had delivered um, in the current draft. 
But there is definitely some scope for some tweaking that we would like to make. We've already made some pretty public open submissions on where we think the zone could be improved. But yep. unquestionably, just the removal of the red cross hatching, which should never have been applied in the beginning, because that designated Great Sandy area did not and has not existed in any other marine park plan in Australia. Got it. Just to rewind a bit, mate. Um, on the on the um, relationships that you know that, that you highlighted being so valuable with um, with the uh, you know WWF Marine Conservancy and that is that is that insights um, well should I say that relationship is is that a leverageable insight that you know other groups can can almost follow that lead and and um, uh, you know we can use on other uh, similar types of of battlefronts around Australia. I can't see why not. Like, at the end of the day, you've only got to look at what some of the stuff like with Bonefish Tarpon Permit Trust and stuff in the States has done, Untamed Angling, how they've worked with uh, Native Indigenous cultures to preserve yep. fisheries. In, in Bolivia, any, any, yeah. any fisherman that has done, or angler, I'm going to say, fisherwomen as well. So any angler that has done any amount of fishing will quickly understand that if we do not protect the environment and the habitat, what, got, what are we going to be working with? Mm. And, and I, mate, we've got to have know. we've got to have sustainable fisheries management. And look, unfortunately, Queensland unquestionably has been behind the eight ball on even their fisheries management. This is a marine park issue, right? But Queensland still got its share of uh, challenging issues ahead for its um, fisheries management. Um, there's been some fantastic. Um, I'll say advances and um, and initiatives towards improving that under the Sustainable Fisheries Management Program in 2017. Um, there's always going to like when you've let unfortunately some of our fisheries uh, get to a point that they trigger a substantial review. It's probably too, well not too late, but uh, it was too slow in getting to that point because you've got a question: if the manager is doing their job, how did we actually get the stocks to that level? But you can always turn these things around and it's always going to involve a bit of pain and some um, uh, negotiation and compromise in order for us to rebuild our fish stocks. But it'll always come back if we lose our habitat um, and, the, and the marine environment, yep. the fish stocks are not going to come back. So, so Scott, um, for our listeners, you're involved in a, in a group called uh, Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, right? I am the chairman of the Fresh Coast Fishing Alliance, correct? Yeah. Um, so, to save people googling it, what's the um, tell tell us a bit about it? What's your what's your mission? What's your um, what are your objectives? And uh, and how many people are in it? And what's their what is their backgrounds? So, give me one second because I actually I, I won't try and reinvent the wheel. I, anyone like anyone that wants to really understand who the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance is. Yep. can just go to our website. So we've, we've actually built a website when we launched the Fresco Fishing Alliance back in 2011. I'll lose track of the time, to be honest. But give me a second because I posted this recently because I thought it was topical because I started getting questioning like, who is the Fresco Fishing Alliance? But someone is as passionate and, and and you know, passionate and verbose as yourself who has been involved in something, we want to hear about it because it's worth supporting, worth knowing. And, and you know, like, like I said, if we're going to leverage this and – Use it on other battlefronts. People need to know, you know, who to contact or, or you know, to get a print. So, if anyone wants to really um, engage with the Fresco Fishing Alliance, 
they, the easiest communication uh, method will be via our Facebook page. Sure. So they've just got to go Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance, Facebook. Um, yep. We also have, uh, I'll suggest, it's, it's quite a good website. So it's FraserCoastFishingAlliance.com.au. Um, we, we did form the Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance in 2013 after we did resign from the Sunfish Fraser Coast branch. And uh, our vision was to restore the Fraser Coast as a premier uh, fishing and family-friendly fishing region. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and our, our main mission was, was to do exactly that, act and speak on the behalf of the recreational fishers of the Fraser Coast because I still to today feel as though recreational fishing in Queensland does not, we do not have a, um, a peak body. There is no peak body. Sunfish um, is still there and uh, sunfish are probably still today more southeast centric in their um, membership and their focus on directors, which I think is great. They should probably stay in that area. Hmm. Um, and then the other branches at the time when we resigned, um, well, the other branches north of us resigned. So we all just formed alliance groups. But this is a problem. This is a problem for recreational fishing going further, going forward. Um, at the moment, we, we, whether you like politics or not, unfortunately, those decision makers um, are in charge of the management of our resource and our fisheries. Mm. So to engage with these departments, how do we do that? In, in the past, I've always said organising the recreational fishing sector is a little bit like or much like herding cats. Yeah, getting us to actually do stuff is even more challenging than that act. So we do need a peak body that uh, can engage with those who wish to be engaged with on a broad scale, and then the government should then take heed of the advice that comes from those groups. We are trying to work towards a new model, which would hopefully include the local regional representative peak bodies for their areas, so that those those bodies who are directly communicated and have the support of the regions can then go back to giving the advice to the decision makers at fisheries and parks in this case in order to manage recreational fishing interest going forward. It's still greatly lacking, unfortunately, in Queensland. We, we just don't really have a proper voice as much as we've got you know, plenty of rec fishers. Unfortunately, getting us united is uh, a challenging act. Well, interesting. You know, there, there may be motivations for that. Who knows? But um, yeah, hopefully down the future we've got a way to be able to unite. Maybe a fishing license, but that's a whole another rabbit hole. I want to ask you, another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to ask you while we're on the subject of the alliance, what's what's the alliance look like after this proposal goes through? Uh, I've made it clear to my committee members and everyone who wish to listen that unquestionably. Um, I uh, once this this marine park is legislated and uh, has come into effect, I will be wanting. I will resign, mm. and I and I am passing the reins to either anyone who wishes to take it on. And there is over a decade of work and information. I'm happy to pass on. And I've always said you can't buy experience. I'm happy to try and share mine, or I will just simply wind it up and I'm going fishing. Okay. Well, look, Scott, I can appreciate you, you know, um, telling us what what your your involvement with it is. But do you think that that, that alliance is going to continue on, like after you um, hand it over? Everyone that's had anything to do with it so far is not putting their hands up to take it over, 
And I'd hate, I'd hate to think of the man hours that I personally and a handful of my resilient committee over the last more than a decade um, have put into this voluntarily, mate. It's a huge job. It's a huge yeah. undertaking. Unfortunately, it would be good if we had some youth on the ground. I've seen and been involved with some um, campaigns to get some younger generation into fisheries management roles. Um, it's pretty Who hard. Sorry, you got some names for us uh, of of um, what do you mean, like individuals, of people, potentials? Yeah, anyone that's young and enthusiastic and wants to do stuff in order to protect our fisheries. No, I do not have any names, Valsy. Right? Yeah. No, no. I've talked to some young, young, and I'm talking like YouTuber, young fucking Facebook channel. Um, fishers who are keen to develop their profile and stuff, and you go, so, you know, are you engaging in the sustainability fishery strategy? What's your outcome on these particular issues? Spanish mackerel currently being pretty topical. Uh, nothing. No, they won't. They were consistent. Unfortunately, no. We need we need new blood in the game. We do. So yeah. we, you guys can start thinking about that because if there's no one's going to take up the reins from those like myself who have campaigned hard on these issues for more than a decade, who's going to do it? Yeah, I understand. Who's going to do it? I've had people tell me, as, and, and as, as flattering as I'll take it, it's worrying at the same time. If I had not stuck in this game for this period of time, would this outcome have happened this week? Well, that's. I think that's a fair question, mate. I really do. And I don't know... I don't think anyone can answer it. And this is, this is the, this, I tell you, we're going in a direction I didn't mean to, but I'm going to go there anyway. This is the frustrating part. You know, like it's, um, it's, it's almost like the, 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 we were talking about this before the air, that, that tale of the little red hen, um, uh, about the, you know, going around and make the kid's tale about the little rooster that wanted to make a loaf of bread and got no one to help him. But as soon as he, she made the loaf of bread that everyone wanted to eat it, you know, it's, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's what it looks like to me. You know, it's, uh, it seems to me that there are so many people. That have influence and 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 reach in this industry alone in the industry of, of that can can gonna prosper or benefit from wreck fishing uh, increased in the area or wreck fishing opportunity increased in the area. They've absolutely done nothing, you know, absolutely sitting there doing nothing. That are gonna you know, that are gonna reap benefit from this. What are you, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? That's it's because I understand why they are concerned about the ramifications and the pushback that will come from them sticking their heads up. Uh, that's, that's locally, but, right? No, it's anywhere. No, this what? is anywhere in the state, mate. It doesn't, and it won't even matter what. It won't. It doesn't matter if it's this issue, whether whether you stuck your head up and said, "Look, I can see Spanish mackerel stocks were um, suggested to be at seventeen percent," and then some say, "Oh, no, nah, they're at twenty-three percent." And, and this is like the sticking point in a lot of that campaign. There was way more detail into that. But anyway, and I go, I said to the few of the guys that said, what's your position on Spanish Mac? I go, I don't even eat them here, mate, because they're full of flame. Well, I won't say full. They've got the high risk of cigateria, so I just don't even target them. I don't catch them. I love eating them, though. And when I go outside of Harvey Bay, the first thing I want to eat is a Spanish mackerel. So I want those stocks to be restored. And the science, unquestionably, and I've talked to some of the scientists directly and the directors within fisheries, that this is as sound a science as you can get. It keeps getting challenged. And they keep saying, oh, it's a peer review and it was not done. All right. Either way, I don't care if it was 17%, 23%, 35%. It's not 60. 
the goal of the sustainability strategy was to restore our in-store fish stocks back to a level of 60%. Yeah, We're still Scott, below that. I, I want to hear more about that, but I really want to stick to that question, you know, in regards to your opinion about, you know, why industry is not getting behind this. Because they feel they don't want the 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 objections um, and the comments that are going to come from them backing it openly in a public arena. It, it, would there be? Would there be? Uh, I mean, you, you, there is data right now that you presented to us this afternoon of just Queensland on a, from a fisheries handout that talks about how much bigger the uh, wreck industry is than the than the professional fishing industry. Right? And a lot. you're talking six hundred million to thirty million. Correct. How can how can industry do you reckon not see that they they can pick a side to prosper and have a not only take business out of it a, a, a much more sustainable in in, in our ecosystem for future generations in addition to having a, a more fruitful business model for for targeting wreck fishes in for the sake of pissing off a couple of pros that are like literally what. Um, you know, I don't know, it's, it's one-twentieth of, of the industry. Unfortunately, yeah. though, if the individual sticks their head up and makes noise about supporting something that is in opposition to the commercial sector, as much as I'm trying to restrain myself from making this an us-and-them thing, which it shouldn't really be, this is about what is in the best interest of the resource. That's what I'm saying. This, that's, this is a public resource. That's right. Uh, that's yeah, I, I just I just want to point out there for people who are listening, Scott. Before you, I want to hear what you say, but like we said right at the beginning here, you know, like this is a this is an environmental issue that involves part in part removing you know some of the commercial netting from from the area. But the big issue is it's a resource allocation issue as much as anything. Right. Yeah. So yeah. which which sector gives the economy the best bang for buck whilst remaining sustainable? Yeah. So as a consequence, you know, like it's it like these companies and businesses or and individuals, influencers, YouTubers, like you mentioned, could comfortably get behind this, it, it, like with with the intention uh, of of what it actually is. You know, it's um you know to be bullied by people that are um that that have got an interest in it remaining the same, uh, despite what the the research of much learned more learned people than someone who drags a net around um, thinks. It's just, it's just amazing. Like, it's just, I think it's, I like per, my. This is my personal opinion. I'm sure Valti doesn't, may or may not agree. And I'm not expecting you to agree. But I think it's, I think it's absolutely spineless. It's, um, it's a, it's really spineless. It really is. What a great opportunity. You look at, you look at the support we mentioned this in the last show. That, that, that campaigns like the Alaskan Pebble Mine have. You know? I mean, look at, look at how much. Look at like Able, which you're familiar with. Well, made, made a reel. Like I made a line of reels that say, "Stop the Pebble Mine." You know. There was a heap of big name companies that got behind, it. but in Australia, everyone's shit scared of a bunch of <laughs> netters. And, so I'm, I'm, and unfortunately, um, that that they there are a lot of people who have tried to do the right thing and campaign for change, who have quickly come under fire and pretty robust fire, um, and and felt as though they have essentially been intimidated into submission and that that unfortunately is um just what's happened fuck that makes me angry it's just fucking is is that sorry chris is is that level of apathy you know like if if i walk into say you know uh fishing related business in harvey bay right now i'm I'm in brisbane obviously yeah i don't have the luxury of doing it but am i going to see 
you know, flyers up in, you know, in BCF or... or no. Or, no, no. Like no. world or something like that. No, but, but I will say, maybe other than the first company you mentioned, um, the other that I can say on this show, there'll be some commercial fishers probably listening here, but I, I will openly say that we have got broad community support and engagement, not in the public arena, where these individuals and businesses have been openly and fully supporting what we've been calling for now for years, but directly with the decision makers. And I, and I support that. There is, there's, I can't see a whole heap of benefit for them to stick their heads up. Someone has to, and that's been me um, in my gonna, role. I think it's very brave what you've done. I mean, literally, you've you got your name on, on boards around town. You know, people can literally draw a dick on you or a colour in your teeth. No, I've yeah. had signs stolen and stuff, actually. There was only one, and, and that was actually by a commercial fisher who even told me he'd done it. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> dumb, isn't it? I never got the sign back. I thought I was flattered that he wanted to take one home with him. So anyway. He's probably up on his ceiling. Mate, that's a bit disturbing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you. It, it, so when when are you yeah. booking your knee surgery, mate? From um, carrying the whole uh, wreck fishing industry in Harvey Bay? No, I have not. I've I've had really good support. And look, I've some of my committee have had to um, take a break at times because um, it's been a long campaign. It has been a long campaign. Um, but there's a there's a there's there's probably half a dozen of them um, that I've I've a hundred percent told every day just about that I can't, I can't buy experience. They were actually campaigning on this before I arrived in Harvey Bay in 06, so they were involved in the initial campaign. I've seen all that data, all the history. I fully understand all the work that went into the first review before this park became legislated in 2006, and there's three original members of Sunfish Fraser Coast. They are the original members of that branch that campaigned on this exact review uh, for the park before it was even implemented originally from about 2001, 2002. And then they stayed, I, they wrote me into their group when I arrived and, um, and I've, I've still friends and communicate with them as today. I spoke to all three of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I have not done it on my own. Um, I'm just happy enough that I won't allow myself to be bullied or intimidated into submission on anything. Yeah. Um, and I feel so strongly and passionate that this was just such a bullshit political decision that I was blown away when I was given the history that I made it a, um, a goal that I will campaign until it is corrected. God, I've mm. used exactly that word. I've said this had to be corrected because it was wrong. It, it was it was a bullshit zone that was created to appease a minority that has taken us seventeen years to correct. Now, Scott, that's, I, that's fact. Scott, when I when I when I think of you and your brand, and I'm going to say that as, as a purely marketing term, you know, when I think of ScottO.com. You know, I'm aware. You know, you you are a, you are a passionate guy. Like you know, and and you support you support brands well. They support you. You know, um, I know I know. I'm thinking, uh, you know, Lawrence Haynes, um, in particular Shimano. Like, where where are your sponsors on on this this battle? Have they been supported? Yep, they have. And um, 
and I can say that, um, but they're not going to do it in a public arena. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, the, 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 the ramifications that'll come, we're having to deal with pushback on that position, and it's not even needed. It's not needed. We, we, this is what I want people to understand. There'll be people listening to this today going, yeah, look, I support all that. I'd do something, oh, shit, I don't want to fucking get hammered on Facebook. I don't want to get flogged on a fucking um, chat board. No, I just don't want conflict at the boat ramp. Um, so I, you don't have to do any of that, guys. You've just yeah. got to, the, 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 the sole individual now who is going to sign off on this review is Minister Megan Scanlon. That's right. it. Her name, she's the one. That's hmm. going to be stamped. It's going to be Megan Scanlon. Minister for Environment. She's going to sign off on this when this goes forward. She's got a really good crew around her. There are some great, great advisors around her as well. But she's the one. Her name is going to go on this document. And she's got the support, though, of her local members. So we have Adrian Tantari here in Harvey Bay, who I'm going to openly suggest that the recreational fishing sector put him in the power over the, the previous LNP member, uh, Ted Sorensen, who openly opposed what we've been calling for for too long. Mm. So we stopped being apolitical and we said, well, the LNP's obviously just not interested. The local member challenged me and, and just spoke down to me in public forums over this issue. So we said, well, we've had enough of that. So we just won't back the LNP and we did. We openly backed um, Labor and Adrian Tentari openly and went hard on it. And uh, Adrian's now the current member. Mm. Bruce Libus, uh, sorry, Bruce Sorensen, Bruce Sorensen, Bruce Saunders. Let me get this right. There's too many Bruces in this world. Bruce. Yes, yeah. Bruce. It's a real politician's name. Yes, Bruce Saunders, our local member uh, in Maryborough, has also supported um, the change over this review. And he has got the support and he's maintained his seat over the last two elections. So um, this, unfortunately, whether you want to get into it or not, it is politically driven. We have to support those who are going to support us. And um, whilst trying to be apolitical, we asked both sides of politics what, what their position was on this. And in this case, it has un just unquestionably been Labor has fully supported us. We are now showing that support in return. Okay, so Scott, you said earlier, and I want to come back to a point that I'm about to make here, is that um, you said earlier that it's not it's not us versus them, you know, and that's it shouldn't that's true. Be. No, it no, I, I agree, and um, I and I totally agree. As much as I, I can't really put a face to the netters, it's more about the action, I suppose. So any sledging that I've done towards them, you know, like I'm not taking anyone individually. I don't even know who who they are, um, but I know what they do. I've seen it, and, I, and I've I've um, I've been. Uh, uh, hobby student of the numbers where I could access them, but I don't wish, uh, as a business owner myself, I don't wish anyone to sort of, uh, you know, to go to go without or lose or anything like that. So I wanted to talk about some of these um, retraining and financial packages that are proposed for the for the um, commercial operators in the area. Can we, do you know much about that? Not a whole heap because the, the, the minister won't won't put that out openly. So we we we're guided by what information has been provided, but. The reality is, is that the buyout is voluntary and the majority of the marine park is still open to commercial netting. Mm, okay. As well as, as well as most of the country outside of the marine park. So right. Fishers that don't want to take the compensation package for the loss of access, they're not losing their licences. They can yeah. actually go and fish in other areas of the marine park where commercial fishing, this is what we've got to get across. And I think a lot of people are, are, are still a miss on this, is that... 
with with in the current proposed plan the red cross hatched designated great sandy area which was a a bullshit red cross hatched overlay that they dropped on top of the yellow conservation area to allow commercial netting to remain exactly as it was prior to the marine park and overturned everything that a yellow conservation park zone was there to protect i i, I question was it even lawful yeah it's taken, it's taken 17 years to fix it for christ's sakes so all we've done is we've taken off what should never have existed so they would have been compensated back then as they will be compensated now if this mm. Okay, so these. Okay, so here's so, here's something that we uh, we mentioned on the last show, that that was one of the things that was brought up to us that like you know like you know get your facts straight and um, we talked about the Fitzroy some of the netters from the Fitzroy region moving to the Great Sandy Marine Park, um, when when the net the uh, the Fitzroy region became net free, is that is that true? Did did that happen to you that you know? Of? Yeah, so, so another another campaign that I was involved in was um, regional zoning. So regional zoning was a, a really important um, campaign that I was directly involved in as well. Mm -hmm. So that was the rezoning of the commercial fisheries on the east coast of Queensland. Mm -hmm. um, because every time we saw a net-free zone come in anywhere, and there was no zone, like Fitzroy, Mackay, Cairns were the last three. So... Fishers that were displaced from those areas could potentially move to any other fishery that their endorsement allowed them to within the state. Um, so, yeah, so now you're, you might be removing an issue in one zone or one area and, and just displacing it to another area. Mm. didn't have it. So we figured even when the marine park is going to come to full review and if we get the outcome we've been looking for, um, we didn't want to see that happen. So in specifically, where was it? I brought this up early for you. So on the 1st of September 2021, the East Coast inshore fishery is being managed under a brand new policy uh, called the Queensland East Coast Inshore Fishery Harvest Strategy. So the East Coast of Queensland was broken up into five zones. We did actually want more. We, we, we feel that our zone should have been, like I'm talking our zone in Fraser Coast, we thought that it should have gone down to just below Double Island Point and that there would have been a southeast corner zone, there would have been six. But unfortunately, mm. our zone encompasses from just north of Bundaberg all the way to the New South Wales border, so we're Region 5. So any fishers that are displaced under any review or change within the Fisheries Management Act um in that region five can't just jump up the coast to manage region four which is say gladstone rockhampton they can't they, they are mm. now being managed on a regional and quota based fisheries management plan okay so when did net, when did the fitzroy region become net free it you became know? net free in 2017 from memory okay so they had they so it's it's a fair enough I mentioned on the last show that like it was it was not something that I discovered. It was something that I heard from people who lived there and know know the commercial fishes and stuff like that. So it's very possible, and it's and it's um and it's not only one person that said that. It's very well known too, from what I understand. Uh, but it's but it's but the more the factual point is, it is very possible and very very real for them to be able to to be able to do that um, until until the changes came through in uh, what was it November twenty twenty one. 
September. September, so, sorry. And, and, and unquestionably, we had this problem here. So when, when Fitzroy came into effect, we had Fitzroy and Mackay Barra Cruz netting the Mary River. We had them. We photographed them. Mm. So, so we. This is just no good. This is, this is no good. We have to fix this. So once once the regional zoning came into effect, that fixed a big issue within Queensland Fisheries Management. The second step to this was VMS. Putting VMSs on the commercial fishing vessels made a huge difference in knowing exactly where they all are at any given time. What's a VMS? What, yeah, the vessel monitoring systems. Sure. So what does that do? Like well, GPS. That, that tracks the vessels. So the vessels cannot go out working on a daily basis without having their VMSs on. Their movements are tracked, and that's reported directly back to the department. Okay. That's right. huge, dude, huge. These guys can't go anywhere even within their region without being tracked. Okay. So let's uh, let's get down to this cause, and explain – like always, can, I, can I just pour one quick intermission because I need a leak? Okay, we'll be back. Can you edit that folks. out? Yeah, we'll be. Yeah, we'll. <laughs> I'll, I'll start for a leak. Cool, yeah. Okay, All right. mate. All right, give me five. No, no worries, mate. I'll be back. No worries. All right, folks, we're back. We're back from our little pit stop there, and uh, we're back. We're joined with Scotto still. And um, Scotto, what I was just about to ask you before um, you took off to relieve some fluids, mate. Um, <laughs> Was in regards man's to the not the, a camel dude. <laughs> a man's not a camel. Yeah, that's true. Um, what I was going to ask you in regards to was that some of the some of the confusing codes that we see in the uh, in the activities allowable in the area on on this uh, proposal that we're we're let we're, that we're given to understand to be able to make comment on. So when we, we, we as a broad statement, many people know that that um, particularly wreck fishing that the nets are going to come out. But it's not all nets, which I want to talk to you about the ones that are left over. But the first thing I want to talk about is the nets that are getting removed. How many of them are there, and and how big a impact were they having on the area to get this to get involved in this review review at this stage? Yeah, look, it's it's been very difficult for us to get accurate information on the. Um, Essentially, M1, M2 nets they are, so I know it is tricky. So, so okay. But, but then, M1 what, is yep. a general purpose mesh, mesh net, well, M2s yep. are set mesh nets. So they're the two endorsements that are predominantly impacted by the decision of removing the red cross hatching. Right. And then we have tunnel nets. Okay, but you just want to go on, we, I, know it, I know that that's let, what's left in there, but can we just stick to what's coming out first just before right, we get on to that? So N one N one nets these are these general purpose nets. So what what are the species that these these N one nets were chasing? Well, they're a general net. <laughs> whatever, Everything. Whatever gets meshed in it. Yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, you're not going to go. They're, ca- they're non discriminatory. This is the problem with the apparatus, right? Not the not the operator. Right. The apparatus is a non discriminatory netting device. Right. So whatever swims through or into that net that gets caught in it is taken. That's just yeah. regardless of what that is. So yeah. if it can be meshed in that net, it will be taken. Yeah. So I, I'm a. I've considered myself to be a reasonably um, competent fisho. Been around it for a little while. I understand how nets work in that respect. But you know, to generalise it, like everything gets caught in there. 
I still want to break that down a bit further. I mean, I can't imagine that these general nets have got a mesh the size of 20 mil by 20 mil and are catching everything. Or, you know, they're walking it, they get there with 200 mil by 200 mil and catching all the garfish, so to speak, you know. So these are these are gill nets designed to catch reasonably sized fin species such as Don Trevally, Permit. And grim, whiting, flathead. Yep. But unquestionably with a potential for bycatch of golden trevally, permits, nose dart, and anything else that goes in there. No, it could be barra, it could be salmon, it could be blue salmon. It, it encompasses yeah. a wide variety of species, hence it's a general mesh net. I understand. I guess what the picture I'm trying to put, um, paint here is that these are more recreationally significant species that are targeted with the general netting. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, um, and the N two netting is that is that doing the same thing? What's the scenario it's, where it's, we're... it's a different? Yeah, it's a different. It's a it is a different apparatus, but more so a different uh, way of working the net, and um, but it can have a similar outcome as far as the species that are harvested or, or caught. Okay, so so when when we see guys in uh, in boats running a net quickly around a school in a in a shallow water situation, that's that's N one that they're doing that. Yep. Yep. Correct. And if we see if we if we go across the river and we see a net that's strung across the river or something like that with like a gap on one side to get around it, and that's they an N two. It's most likely most likely going to be an N two. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what what's remaining? Right. So uh, this is a really really important question in the online survey. Question number sixteen specifically. The uh, there is an opportunity to um, to make comment on the retention of tunnel netting and and pocket netting in yellow conservation areas. So as bad as this sounds, whilst the Red Cross hatching has been removed in the current proposed draft plan, tunnel netting and pocket netting, set pocket netting, is still allowed in specifically uh, all, all yellow conservation zones, but down your way, or more Volsey, uh, Morton Bay Marine Park has probably got one of the um, the more specific areas where tunnel nets are used. Um, and we have suggested that um, they have given us an option to strongly disagree to the retention of tunnel netting. I suggest any recreational fisher should strongly disagree to the retention of tunnel netting in yellow conservation park areas. And furthermore, you will have an option to comment and my personal comment has been there should be no commercial netting in marine conservation park zones at all, period. And that includes the other loophole, which is an N11 small nest net or more commonly referred to as a bait net. So bait nets and tunnel nets are still allowed in yellow conservation park zones, even under the proposed draft plan. My suggestion is, is that we should create strong opposition to that and call for no netting, period, in yellow conservation park zones. All right, let's let me play devil's advocate here. Um, what harm? What harm are they doing? Like, I mean, what are they, who? What? What? Um, what are they chasing? Bait what? nets, bait nets, or small mesh nets, as they were changed to the name um, when when the uh, requirement that I forget which government was now, but one of them come out because we said this is just a loophole, guys. So. They, they did implement legislation to disallow the targeting of brim, whiting and flathead specifically with the use of a small mesh net. 
Now, there's no provision for bycatch either, but uh, I, I, I can't say how much of that happens, but the net is capable of catching those species. So if it's also capable of catching those species, what other species could potentially be caught in it? I understand, but okay. Let me ask you this: then, how how do they use a small mesh net? Do they run it? Do they run it around? Run it around. Fish? Yeah, that's a it's a bait net. So they run same it as same as the N one method. Well, I'm not a commercial fisher, but I'm suggesting possibly similar. Yes, it's not set though, right? Correct. Okay. I'm not um, that it can be set though. Maybe right. you can. I'm not. I'm not a commercial fisher. Um, I'm aware of what they use the apparatuses for, um, applying the the apparatus in the field. I have no experience in. Right. Okay. Isn't uh, part of the reason the nets, besides uh, you know the depletion of fish stocks, it's more about uh, oh, in part or great part about it, um, you know, uh, destruction of, of of habitat, as in seagrass and things like that as well. It can't be ideal dragging or pulling nets across sea grass beds. It just doesn't make sense. No, absolutely. Now, and, and marine conservation park areas are exactly that. It is a marine. So it means that it is a, an environmentally marine sensitive area, like a nursery area, which is what most of these areas are. Mm. So, if we're going to declare it as a nursery or a, or a significant marine environment location or area. Mm. How can we allow any netting in these areas? It, that, that's that's a great question, and like I think many any anyone who's got a a conservation um, mindset or wants to see fish habitat came back come back would be in agreement with that. It'd be hard not to agree with that. Um, what about um, can can do? Well, do you know how many N one and N two license holders are in that region? Or as, not specifically, the department does obviously, but because it's under the Privacy um, Act, um, operators working in the smaller boats that they're operating in, uh, we don't have access to their data. As in, how many own the licenses? Correct. Okay, you don't. You don't even have an estimate. Well, you can't. Uh, yeah, no, we we have no, no, we, we've 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 suggested that um, we believe it, it'll impact on potentially thirty fishes. Um, that are currently working in the current designated area. Well, do do you know how many uh, of um, the N was it N ten the the, the channel, tunnel netting? Yeah, we believe there are only in the straits. I'm not sure that they're actually used outside the straits, to be honest. But I believe uh, I've been told that there are half a dozen uh, N tens used inside the Sandy Straits or licensed. I'll say licensed within the Sandy Straits. With potentially only two that have any reasonable history of use. Okay, can anyone who owns an N one license uh, apply for an N ten successfully? They could. They can only buy them out. They can't buy a new license. No, the fishery, the the, the industry has been capped for more than a decade. Right. Okay. Okay. So I mean, okay. So what? Why? Why do we want the um, tunnel netting out? I mean, I, I know it's still nets. Okay. Like they point out the obvious, and I, and remember, I'm just sort of asking the question. Um, I look. I'll I'll, I'll preface this saying I, I agree with uh, what you're saying, and that's what I put in my submission as well. Um, but you know, I think it's fair and balanced to ask why. Why is it? Why is this a problem? Well, because I've actually seen uh, it on two occasions where I followed a um, a floating trail of undersized dead fish all the way up to the tunnel net. 
uh, for more than a kilometre on both occasions. Um, that was at the bottom of the straight. So whilst I understand that they are probably one of the more sustainable netting apparatuses, um, they're still not perfect. And, um, and I still don't feel as though they've got a place in a Cido Yellow Conservation Park zone area. How, they stake them out, don't they? Like the the way the tunneling works, I believe. Uh, I had to research this. I I didn't know what they were. They're not a common thing. I've never seen it in the, in, uh, in real life. So, I I mean, as a as a as a layman, I don't have access to uh, fisheries files or anything like that. I did what anyone do, and I used the Google Ader. and um, I found a video on YouTube of Morton Bay uh, Morton Bay uh, tunnel netting. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who put that video out, but it seemed like. Um, can you remember who that? I sent it to you, Volts. Can you remember yeah. who that was? It was a, a company or something, that wasn't it? Or? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, hang on. I'll, well, well, you're All right. I'll, I'll, yeah. So the way they explained it was that um, they would they would approach a bank um, against an island or mainland at high tide, sta stake a net out on the on the high tide mark, run it round, and then um, do a big U shape up to the other high tide mark. And then let the tide herd the fish into the tunnel net that way. Correct. So it's a, it's a long funnel, essentially, that they will specifically um, look for an area on a large flat area where there might be a drain. They will locate and identify that drain at low tide. They will then stake the net out um, uh, towards the top of the tide, half tide out maybe, um, depending on the, on the gutter. Um, it can be up to, I think, 1,700 metres thereabouts, and it goes into a pocket. So the idea is that the fish that are living in that vicinity have to go out through that area, so they will swim down the funnel into the pocket at the back, and, and it's an open net, so it's an open top net, it's not a, an enclosed net, uh, staked out essentially. And mm. the, the fisher has the option <laughs> then, um, whilst being manned at all times, to review what fish are in that pocket and remove the ones that are not required or undersized and only keep the ones that they, they are targeting. So the concept for the sustainability side of things is it's a more selective style of commercial netting and in mm -hmm. principle is a great thing, but I have seen it operating not as well as it could. So, yeah, it's, it's open to um, misuse or poor operation um, just as much as... Uh, any other uh, net. Any other net. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So... That, uh, that video is from um, Ocean Watch Australia, which I don't know if they're a private organisation or a, a, an environmental group or a, or even a professional fishing group. I don't, I don't really know, but that's where it's at if you want to see it. Um, are they allowed to do this in anywhere in the Straits, Scotto? In, in any yellow conservation park zone, as they can in any other yellow conservation park zone throughout the country. It is. It is this is not a um, locally specific uh, legislation um they can definitely uh, they have been able to now since this park came into legislation as they have been doing in morton park morton bay um, marine park and and i'm not sure I, I don't think it's probably broadly um used outside of these couple of areas because it, it does need to be most likely a specific uh area to be efficient so it sounds like the type of system that they would have to man they'd be they'd be around the whole time it's not like they can set it and um and go away, but I mean like they they're gonna have to wait for the tide to go out, aren't they? Like I mean it's a yeah it's like and, six and hours yeah and monitor it the whole time yeah yeah right okay yeah right wow sounds like a uh, a good job for someone who likes beer you know something like that that's a, <laughs> a lot of waiting. <laughs> 
have Netflix on your phone or something like that. Six hours waiting for the tide to run out. It's um anyway, that's the way it is. So yeah, okay. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. It sounds like um I mean I can think of some areas in the Sandy Strait right now that they would clean up with, and I'm sure if I know about them, they know about them as well. Um, it doesn't sound good. We don't we don't want it. And in this in that survey, question seven uh, sixteen. So question sixteen, I suggest um, if you agree with our position that you strongly disagree with the retention of tunnel netting in yellow conservation zone areas. Mm. And in the comments area, you could potentially add that you support no commercial fishing of any type should continue in those areas. Other areas, um, in other areas, oh, well, you're telling me that in any conservation zone throughout the country they could run tunnel netting. Uh, I should pull back on that because I'm not 100% certain tunnel netting is, is legislated or actually u- or even useful in other areas. So let's stick to Queensland. Okay, cool. No Queensland, worries. Then. 100% accurate. Yep. Well, yep. Okay. Yeah, Scott, I, uh, just a general question. Um, where, where do you well, – it's hard, it's hard to find data um, when you need it. Um, it's hard to find the right data. I mean, that's a challenge for – Sound data, yes. Yeah, how do we, how, how do you guys, is it any easier for you as part of a, you know, the uh, Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance? Or? No, not it's not easier. <laughs> but but I will say sometimes it's who you know. So we have built some um, very strong um, alliances with various organisations and individuals um, who are far better at this than me. But... Right. I've, I've ha- I have been challenged. Um, yeah, it's, it, one one that was topical. So, uh, under the Fraser Coast tourism um, structure and campaign, many many years ago, um, I was always after what's recreational fishing worth to the Fraser Coast, like the Harvey Bay. What's it worth? And I tried to get that data. Anyway, I finally did did get it in a, in a document done by Queensland Tourism. Um, and and it was stated that recreational fishing, I believe this was maybe 2011, um, quantified that um, recreational fishing, more specifically in the drive market, which is our biggest tourism driver, pardon the pun, yeah, um, yeah. was worth 39 million per annum per year. 39 million, bigger than whales. Wow. So I thought, shit, we can fly, we can fly with that. So I did, and um, anyway, so I got challenged on it by the local tourism body, <laughs> which blew me away at the time. So hmm. I had some robust conversations with our uh, general manager of um, Fraser Coast Tourism Events. I said, well, all right, look, I've only used the data that came from QTIC, Queensland Tourism Queensland, <laughs> but look, you're our peak body, mate. You go and tell me what it's worth. I'm, I would like your assistance in you going and getting me. So anyway, after some debate and a lengthy delay, um, it's been put in writing that recreational fishing tourism is valued between 30 and 39 million per annum today even. And that's just locally, just locally. And then I noticed in the, um, if you get the, uh, in this review, probably none of us like to read stuff. So if you don't like reading heaps of stuff and there is lots to read, but if you want the quick snapshot, you just go to the review page for the Great Sandy Marine Park and you should click on the Great Sandy Marine Park Zoning Plan Summary of Key Proposed Changes. So just, and this encapsules 
just the, the key changes that are being proposed in the new review. Mm. So you don't read tons of stuff, right? But in there, there were, and, and, and we were questioned, well, we were not, we were questioned. So the, the, the current minister at her media release, Megan Scanlon, um, was uh, keen to promote the value uh, that would come. So, you know, regional economic snapshot by sector. So recreational fishing, specifically the tourism value for the for the Marine Park area, not just specifically Harvey Bay, you know, they put it at $386 million. Um, recreational fishing specifically was $35.2 million, which supports what we were saying. Mm -hmm. And then commercial fishing annually was $28.7 million. And you go, well, uh, can you challenge any of that? Well, at the bottom of that page, which is page... Let's get this right. Page seven. So page seven, anyone that, that wants to challenge those statistics, it says where the sources came from. So the sources came from, one, Fraser Coast Regional Tourism Work Plan 2018 to 2020. So that supported what I just said. We tried to get this mob to justify. And then secondly, the Recreational Fishing Economic Report, which was just specifically Wide Bay Burnett, and it was only completed in 2021, and then they just did the um, commercial fisheries summary economic report was done in 2020. Wide Bay Burnett. This is, these guys, this is factual. No one prefabricated any of this. This is validated factual reports that you can download them. The BDO 2021 Recreational Fishing Economic Report, BDO 2020 Commercial Fisheries Summary Economic Report. Download them, guys. If you don't <laughs> like it, download them and read them. It sounds like um, the commercial the commercial fishing assessment was finished in, in 2020, pre-COVID, whereas some of the recreational stuff was carrying on to COVID times where people couldn't even get there. And, we, and we've stated that, that, that. That is exactly, that's a really good pickup, actually. I'm very smart. I've never, never questioned that. <laughs> Would you believe I used to deal with cement? It's amazing. It really is. <laughs> Brain cells grow back when you stop touching cement. It's great. Um <laughs> It's not true. <laughs> I was a concrete anyway. finisher in my youth, so I'm feeling better about that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like your youth was probably a while ago, so probably a lot of brain cells have grown back, Scott. Oh, dude, you know, I've got feelings, <laughs> apparently. I'm 54 now, you know. Well, you're not that far away from us. Well, me, anyway. So oh, let's... no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm catching up to you. I'm 26. Mm. <laughs> I would have said that. <laughs> I've had a hard life. <laughs> yeah, Valsy was going to say that. Um, <laughs> hey, Scott, I, I, I got sorry, Val. So I, I want to hear that zinger. Do it. No, no, it's gone now. I was just, just going to accuse him of, of uh, you know, some of that middle aged man disease to forcing him to go take a piss in the middle of the podcast. Um, no. <laughs> that, that could have been the beer, actually. I, I will claim that. Okay. I'm going to use that one too. I'm no, at right. the stage where I wake up in the middle of the night and have to piss. You know, yeah. I used to be able to sleep through, but. Yeah, it was a quality craft beer. You don't have to go as often as that um, other shit beer. Four uh, X, yeah. I didn't say that, but you did. Yeah, okay. Hey, Scott, do you think access to to real data information is difficult? Um, yes, it is. Yeah, you have to go hunting for it, but it's always okay. there because government departments can't quote on shit they can't put out as resource. So right. if you're there, sometimes it's harder to find than you'd like. Do you think that that has an impact on participation for this, um, like, the proposed zoning draft? 
No, not really. Like the, the, the anyone that's going to use, oh, the, the, the data being bloody provided is not credible. They're not looking, mate. Their heads are in the sand. Well, do you think that the access hasn't been, uh, oh, sorry, information hasn't been um, uh, made easily accessible then, you know, for that sort of thing? Sometimes I mean, that can be the case, but look, at the end of the day, if you're passionate enough to whinge about it, go and find it. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, do, do you do you think that it's happening on both sides, though? I mean, there's there's two sides of the argument here. Is keep it the same, change it. Do you think the information is as difficult for both sides? Uh, yeah, I will. I'll say that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's harder on the commercial side because these guys under the Privacy Act, we can't get there. You can get onto the QFISH, Queensland Fish Grid Data Information, anyone that's a public resource. Mm. So you can type in what species you're interested in, the region you're interested in, and you can ask to have the commercial catch volume uh, provided. Oh, that's so super interesting. But it's there. It's a public resource. Anyone can go can we... That. Can we but, find out where it goes? Uh, it, what do you mean by where it goes? Okay, let's say let's say the uh, bycatch of Golden Trevally or intentional catch, whatever, it doesn't matter. Let's say we thought we could we could. Can we follow a Golden Trevally from capture to to uh, you know to transport to where it goes to where it ends up? Mm. I have not been able to achieve that. No, uh, I, we can definitely we can definitely ascertain the volume of the fish that are being declared within a grid zone and we've done that and i've provided that on and i have provided that on specifically golden trevally over the last 15 years um along with barramundi king threadfin salmon brim flooded we've done all that we actually to be to remain impartial we paid for raised voluntary funds and paid real money um willingly and happily to uh, InfoFish, Bill Sornock, who is also a consultant, independent consultant, not aligned with any one particular sector or group, um, to to provide us with that data. And we have all that data for the last 20 years. Okay. Uh, why, why can't we follow it then? I mean, like, all that sounds pretty interesting for sure, but, I mean, you couldn't get more interesting than, than uh, following where it goes because what for as long as I've been fishing that place and the pros have been operating there and people have been whinging about it, people talk about them netting Goldger Valley for cat food. Now, it's hard. I mean, no no one truly knows where it goes. They can't find that out, right? Is there a, a way that you go? Well, I don't think there's a way you can find no, out. there is no way you can find There it. is no way. Okay. I guess once, once they are processed, they have. They've got to be recorded as a species and and a volume of the species being commercially harvested. As to where they go after that, no, we don't have access to that information. So how do we know of how like uh, how much of that the money money that's getting made in the in the commercial fishing industry is actually going to human consumption or or, or Australia or you know or going to the restaurants um, you know around the world or uh, or even cats around the world? We don't. Wow, it's 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 a real it's a it's a bit of a cloaked industry, isn't it? Well, it's 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 well, it's it's, it's their industry. It is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. um, the, to rebut the, the, the one of the main objections to um, obviously removing commercial fishing from any area is there won't be any local, specifically locally caught in that region seafood available for those seafood consumers who are unable to catch their own, but. Now, at the end of the day, um, local seafood will always be available 
and more importantly it, it should come from sustainable fisheries and more and more of this is coming from aquaculture aquaculture is a booming um, commercial volume food producing industry mm. and um, and if and I've seen the stats this is on Barramundi specifically on the east coast of Queensland the um, the volume of um, aquaculture provided barramundi uh, as opposed to the wild caught fishery it's more than 80 percent so so if you've purchased um, and consumed a uh, barramundi at a restaurant it is more likely to have been harvested in an aquaculture farm than wild caught so when when you hear the term locally caught of we, we can't find any factual um, statement or legislation that specifically suggests that that product was caught in those waters in front of the fish and chip shop you're buying it from. Mm. Rather, we believe it broadly suggests that it was caught within Australian waters. So it doesn't actually mean it was caught, to our understanding, within the regional area that you're purchasing it in. And when they say fresh, Again, we couldn't get this in writing from anyone, but the, to the best of our investigation, that um, fresh suggests that the product should not have been frozen at any stage prior to you purchasing it. Wow. That's the best we can find. So when you, uh, and it, this should take nothing away from the product, but you know, when you're buying fresh local fish, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was caught out the front of the place you were buying it in. Mm. There are commercial fisheries all around Australia, and and many of those, or most of those, are probably uh, being well managed and sustainably fished. So, in this case, commercial fishing really in, it does not match the values of being allowed to continue within a conservation park zone, as mm. it doesn't really exist in the majority of the other conservation park zones so you the fact that with this draft plan removing the red cross hatching making the true yellow zones as they should be and removing all we're suggesting all commercial netting in those areas there's still loads of opportunity for commercial fishers to sustainably catch and provide fish to the consumer who can't catch their own so removing mm. that, removing that red cross hatching people have got to remember and we've stated this so many times so removing the red cross hatching will not affect the trawler fishing any trawler fishing which mostly all occurs outside of that designated area prawns otter trawling all occurs outside of that designated area scallops and bugs all occurs outside of that native area spanner crabs all harvested outside of the designated area fish farms prawn farms all commercially aquaculture in in uh, Queensland. So it doesn't impact on any aquaculture product. So there's tons of that in place now and being developed really sustainably, and they are producing high-quality product. And commercial line fishing, mackerel, trout, red throat, uh, nanny guy, reds, emperor, doesn't impact on any of that. So you, you can still go down to any – if the shops in Harvey Bay, after all this goes through – wanted to provide high-quality line-caught, commercially-caught fish, they can. They can go and catch all those fish, particularly the, the, the mackerel, red emperor, nanny guy. Um, 
So you, the, 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 the argument that you're not going to be able to go and get a feed of fresh fish caught somewhere within Australia because we've corrected a marine park that should never have been created in the form that it was is propaganda. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Well, it doesn't sound like there's, uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, the proposal that's happening now is definitely better than, um, than what it was, right? There's, well, no, whilst, all right, and if we're at that stage of the game, <laughs> I feel that we, we, the recreational fishing community and the broader community at large, to be honest, and the environmental groups, have had a huge win with the current draft plan as it currently stands. So if nothing changed, we could probably whinge and complain about a few of the zones that we'd like tweaked, but we've had a huge outcome. But yeah. we have three weeks, we have three weeks until midnight Sunday the 23rd of October to make comment. And if there are enough comments on specific areas that our community feels so strongly about that they want it corrected or changed, there is potential for that outcome to occur. So some of the areas that we've tweaked on so far was that the in the Burham River, this is probably our main bugbear, and it may have been clarified today, but I'm still going to bring it to everyone's attention. So the Burham River is an important system, and it's got a couple of key tributaries, which is obviously the Isis, Gregor, and Sherwell. They currently are all yellow with red cross hatching on them, which means that they're just getting netted, um, as they had previously to the marine park coming into effect in 20, 2006. If you look at the current proposed plan, you will note that just above Buxton Hole, or Buxton, the, um, the Burham River, the upper Burham River, um, and the Sherwell River are now being proposed as being a dark blue habitat protection zone. We understand that that may be to assist landowners on the riverfront um, easier ability to <coughs> apply, maintain their structures that go into the river, like pontoons, jetties, that sort of thing, um, which those structures are hard to get approval for and maintain in a true yellow conservation zone. So we understand why they may have done that, but everyone must understand that a normal dark blue habitat protection zone excludes trawling but still allows um, large mesh gill nets and ring nets to be applied we were brought to a, it, it, well, I'll say it was brought to my attention today that in that um, summary document we said of the key changes on page 11 it does state that that specific designated area um, from Buxton upriver um, has only been proposed as becoming a dark blue zone with the prohibition of commercial fishing with large mesh gill nets and ring nets from that area. So they are suggesting we, we would apply that zone to that section of the river but only with the exclusion that commercial netting will be prohibited. And this was purely to prohibit unsustainable transfer of commercial fishing in that area. So we go, yeah, that's great, um, but that, that must happen. Otherwise, we would not support that. 
Hmm. And and if you have a, a close look around the um, Urangan Pier, one of the most iconic land-based oh. fishing structures in Harvey Bay, there is now another dark blue um, habitat protection zone, which was previously a true yellow conservation zone with no red cross edging on it. So, good. We Could you get the wrath of the jetty rat? Sometime, well, I would suggest any commercial fisher that chose to try and run a net around the <laughs> pier would be brave. Yeah. Um, but this has got to be in writing, and we've already suggested that if they're going to apply the no commercial netting in the habitat protection zone in the upper uh, Barham and Sherwell, that same rule, this will be a rule, must be applied to that proposed blue area around the Urangan Pier. The other one that appears to have um, got the hackles up locally is the new proposed green zone at the top of Big Woody. And uh, for us fly anglers, there is some key water, flats water, on that northwestern corner of Big Woody that I suggest we would love to retain. So we should comment that um, whilst we support the protection of the um, the coral habitat, which I know in my personal understanding and view is why they've um, requested that green zone, that we would love to maintain at least a 300-metre true yellow conservation park area around the perimeter of Big Woody to allow us that access to those flats at the top northwestern corner would be great. The um, Marine Park Zone 11, which is smack in the middle of the bay, uh, the Outer Banks, they have proposed to take it further east or north, northeast, north and east, we'll say. Um, I've been made aware that that impacts some anglers' key recreational fishing spots that I was not aware of. Um, so we're in negotiation with whether or not that could be pulled back and maybe widened because the purpose of that zone is to provide habitat protection for deep seagrass beds. Hmm. So there's plenty of in that area. Um, so we, we are going to support the feedback we've had from the community. We will suggest that that be brought back south and maybe widened to the west in order to provide the same habitat protection area for the deep seagrass beds while still allowing anglers access to some potentially uh, important marks. Mm. And outside of that, that's about it. Like I've been yakking to all the groups even this afternoon. As I said, I spoke to the largest um, recreational fishing club in uh, Harvey Bay, the Harvey Bay Amateur Fishing Club. I've yakked to the, the, um, the other clubs between Tin Bay and Burham Heads in the last week. My secretary is on the joint fishing club group, so the general grassroots anglers are all pretty much in agreement that this is a major win and a huge outcome for recreational fishing and the environment, the marine habitat, as it stands. But yes, not all that this was always going to be a compromised position. And it, this is as well, it's more about protecting the habitat as it is about um, sustainable fisheries management, which is mm. fisheries issue. So um, we think that it is overall a, um, a fantastic outcome, but there is an opportunity for the next three weeks for anyone that wishes to take the time 
to submit an online survey. Um, there is ample information provided by the department on their uh, on their link. So I've got to say they have done a fantastic job. Those that have not jumped onto, you've just got to Google um, Great Sandy Marine Park. You'll quickly come to the review page. You guys might be able to share this somewhere in there. We have. Yep. Excellent. So the the, the, the key links on that landing page is that summary so under resources so when you get to that landing page great sandy marine park landing page um, there will be on the right hand side a resources area in the resources area the summary of key proposed changes that's the quick snapshot overview of those changes then you can look at the activities proposed for each of those zones so you understand what can and can't happen in those zones and probably the most important page is the maps of proposed changes. So you click on that maps of proposed changes. And one thing I'd not seen before, there is an option in there. It's called Queensland Globe Map. That's hmm. cool. So they, it's like a um, Google Earth mapping system that they have applied these proposed changes directly on top of that. So you can quickly look at where these proposed zones are going to be placed within the boundaries of the marine park there are no gps marks i've been asked this too many times today so there's no specific because this is a still a this is a draft they're just working at this stage of the key habitat protection areas and the percentage that they are aiming to protect within that area so these can be tweaked this is why it's important. So if you don't agree, and, and I don't expect everyone to agree, if you do not agree with some of these proposed changes, you must comment or do not whinge, or at least to me, because I won't listen. So a bit further underneath the Queensland globe map, there is a spatial data section. In there, for the tech-savvy listeners, you can download the GPX file which is, this is super cool. I've never seen Parks ever do this. Mm. That'll go. You can download that file, stick it on a micro SD card and stick it in your chart plotter and quickly the overlay will go over all your current marks and your map. No one else will see it. This is just, you can just download the whole proposed draft plan in a GPX file. It will be compatible with all of the major chart plotters and you can quickly reference how this will impact on you in relation to your own personal marks. And then if you go, oh, bastard, they're, they're taking away one of your marks, you can go, I'm not happy with that, and send in a submission. Well, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I can it see is right super it is super spatial, spatial data. It's under the spatial That's data heading. It is. Yeah. It is. It's under sp yeah, spatial data. There's a GPX file. It's, I'm reading it now. GPX file, draft marine national park zones only, and you can even get the the draft go slow areas and draft no anchoring areas only. Hmm. And that's another cool thing. So there are a couple of no anchor zones, and this is something that I'm going to suggest. We're going to make reference to this. So that, that green zone we just talked about, we, we're trying to protect the seagrass. That's a, an area that we were clearly made aware of, didn't have enough protection under the current um, marine park plan mm. they and and we've had floods and the the more inshore seagrass beds are struggling so those offshore seagrass beds are very important for the marine life that live off them so we understand that they're important and they do need 
particular habitat protection. And a green zone, unquestionably, obviously, no one can do really anything within those zones, so it protects it. But seagrass is on the bottom of the ocean floor. So if we made really key areas, no anchor zones. Are we not still protecting the seagrass? Because we're not anchoring on it. We're just drifting over it. But we would still maintain access to these areas. So is that not a sensible solution for recreational fishers to maybe dot more? Because I've said this previously on deaf ears. Um, no anchor zones are something that are maybe not applied as often as they could be in order to maintain our access to a marine area without damaging the resource we're trying to protect or the habitat we're trying to protect. I guess that's a, that's assuming that, that anchors are the only thing that makes, um, you know, creates damage to the seagrass. I mean, I mean, is it is it beneficial to the seagrass for some of these species to flourish there as well uh, that, that are targeted by fish shows, I guess? I, I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That's, that's the rebuttal to the what I just said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, I just think to myself, is is that it though? I mean, if it's that it, if that's it, like it's the anchors, then what you're proposing sounds logical and fair. But um, I guess it just comes down to you know the 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 learned researchers to um to put back to put back onto us um, all the all the issues that create impact to that area. Correct. And that's why this is a review, and and this is still a live document, and we can now apply for change. So if you're not happy with it and you're listening to this or have seen it elsewhere and you go, I'm not happy with whatever it is you're not happy with, put in a submission. Yeah. And if enough people support that change, just as what has happened to now, so there, there have been enough people not happy with the Marine Park in its current, current state, make comment and submission that we've changed it to the current proposal. Oh, oh, so this, this current proposal is in is in um, is in response to the campaign of Fraser Coast Fishing Alliance and and several submissions and and also the current yeah and like if the joint position yeah, yeah if nothing if nothing was done this wouldn't have happened hundred percent wow isn't that isn't that pretty amazing to hear really that's um the yeah. department if the department has no opposition mate there's no question there would be more green on there trust me. Yeah, well, okay. Yep. But I have been, and I've been open about this. So this is me, Scott Mitchell, personally, no chairman of anything. I, I have never been in favour of locking out our sector purely for a percentage on a chart. I don't agree with that. I don't believe that recreational fishing is the key threatening processor in most cases. I strongly oppose the green zones and the coral sea um even in the federal one so i'm not and i've been open to the guys at this level even representing myself in my own role but mm. i i do fully understand we need to protect the habitat okay so if we need to protect the habitat and recreational fishing within that habitat is not the key threatening process i'm happy to protect it and support that protection i completely understand uh scott I, let me ask you one last final question here before we wrap this up What's the time frame on this look like? Um, all going to the understanding I've been given, I, I am expecting that this process will be completed and legislated by the end of this financial year. Oh, wow. That's fast. Yep. No, it's not fast. It's 17 years, dude. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, fast, <laughs> fast after the zoning proposal. Let's yeah, that's way. right. But we're, we are at the pointy end of it. 
and I expect this current um, part of the review, I expect the review to be finalised and legislated this financial year. Awesome. Well, Scott Mitchell, thanks for joining the Intermediate Line and facing the hard questions. Really appreciate you making the time, mate. No, look, I uh, think you guys are doing an awesome job. The uh, Intermediate Line podcast is a fabulous, fabulous resource and uh, we appreciate your support as well. Thanks, mate. I speak Thanks. on behalf of myself and Voltsy when I say we know. I want to, I want to say, Scott, I have a heartfelt thanks for, you know, you, you've, you've put a, undeniably put a lot of yourself into, into this pr proposal over a long period of time. Um, and, you know, uh, so thank you. And, and also thank you to, to um, others who have, you know, gone into battle along the way. We know it's not easy for, for any of you guys. Thank you very much. No, look, I really appreciate that, mate. And look, and 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 I won't take back from that alliance position. So, because th this is important, and so far we've all stuck to our positions. So um, those that have thought that you know maybe we can't align with some of these key environmental groups on these uh, common causes, I think this is a really really important benchmark. I know speaking to both WWF, their head fisheries advisors today and Marine Conservation Society, that they um, are strongly aligned with exactly what we discussed tonight. Um, and again, in my opinion, this draft wouldn't be at this point without the support of our alliance groups and, uh, and their support to date as well. Awesome. All right, let's wrap this up. Right, eh? See you later, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bed. I'm flying to fucking Brisbane tomorrow morning to go and see Seth Century playing Fortitude Valley tomorrow night. I'm excited about that. Uh, who exactly is Seth Century again? You have to Google it, dude. All right, I will. Well, I'm going to get out of here and, and Google that right now. <laughs> go and Google Seth Century. He's a cool dude. <laughs> All right, thanks, Scott. <laughs> thanks, guys. I appreciate the support. If you need anything else, let me know. No drama, mate. All good. Bye. -bye.
frustration But there's kids in the back holding conversations Cracking on each other And neither were poster boys Both of them smell like the type that's over boy Coast enjoyed a leave of absence Once whose feet smelled like it struck some matchsticks Brimstone, girls would never bring him home I was laughing Then his friend raised his tone and said What, you earled all over yourself? Yeah I go so deep on your ass, you'll be submerged Like you need to do in water, cause you smell like a turd Want a cap? Get some courage, your feet smell lurid Go to get up, and while you at it, get a cup and squeeze the sweat out your sweatshirt And drink it or gargle, you get our vote for most stinkiest That nigga started thinking the shit, said I was frail, I said he was stale Under arms stripe, under garments hype, bout to leap out your holy sweats And we holding best, and after this I'm gonna collect Nigga check yourself, respect yourself, and watch a motherfucking body for your sweatshirt melt like no lady find you attractive The folks got too captive You don't need a map, bitch mm. You gotta wash your hands If you must You gotta wash your hands If you must You gotta wash your teeth If you must Or else you'll be funky You gotta wash your hands If you must You gotta wash your hands If you must You gotta wash your teeth Oh, bro, to be fucking!